you know, in the last three years since we launched Grace Church, we just knew that God was calling us to do something that's different. Um, simply put, it's we wanted to embrace all the things in the Christian faith which don't typically grow churches. We wanted to be as diverse as we could possibly be. So that means as many colors and as many backgrounds, political views, theological views, um, incomes, okay, sports teams. Um, <laughs> we're not really serious about that one, okay? If you're an OU fan, you don't really have to stay. It's okay. Um, but we wanted diversity, you know? And, but, but when you put people in the room who are different, things don't always work well, Correct? You know, it just, in high school, it was so great because you could just sit with the people who were, who were like you, right? You didn't have to sit with people who weren't. And in churches, it's kind of the same thing. You don't have to sit with people who aren't like you. And, and so in churches, when you embrace diversity, it just doesn't always work. One of the comments that kind of encouraged me so much, there's a, uh, some people came and they said, you know what, the, the, the worship was just so great, and the word was great. We're just not sure. And dot, 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 and I know exactly what they're talking about. Just not sure if I'm okay with these people. <laughs> some of them I go, oh, I know them. And some of them, I don't know if I know them. Don't know if I want to know them. So diversity, we try to embrace diversity, and it, you know, and it's not easy. We've tried to embrace honesty. Um, who has the gift of honesty in here? We tend to call you guys jerks, <laughs> correct? <laughs> it's okay. I have the same gifting and anointing. The Lord has called me to be a jerk. It's okay. Um, we love people who can embrace honesty, but at the same time, honesty is not comfortable, correct? You want them in your life for like five minutes to say what they need to say, and then, whew, okay, let's get away from them for a while. can only take so much honesty. But we just, we're convinced in the Scriptures that in order for us to grow with God and for us to grow with each other, if we are called to walk in closeness with God, then the only way for there to be, to be closeness in a relationship is for there to be honesty, right? There has to be communication, right? Marriage counseling 101, communicate, talk, share your feelings, not just empty words, speak the truth. How do you really feel? Who do you really see yourself? How do you really see them? And when you really get honest, it gets messy, correct? And most of us were kind of grown up in, in churches where we were taught how to dress and act in a certain way to kind of keep everything cordial. Um, we were talking about this. Pastor Zach is convinced that because people cannot receive compliments, who's good at like receiving compliments? I think I saw two hands. Okay, so you guys are weird, okay? But the rest of us, we just don't like it, okay? Like the happy birthday stuff, I appreciate it. But that, I mean, I am in pain on the inside. Like, who do you look at? Everyone's singing. What do you do with your hands? Do you orchestrate? You know, like, what do you do? I'm just, I don't know. Just look down. I don't know what to do. Okay. It's, it's painful. And so Pastor Zach is convinced that because it hurts to receive compliments, we shouldn't do it. Just let it go. If someone's awesome or intelligent or smarter, you know, just don't say a word. Because you're actually doing 
a blessing to them by not hurting them. <laughs> that completely sidetracked me. I have no idea where I was going with that. But it's hilarious anyway. Honesty. That guy and his brain, I love it. It's my favorite. Um, and, so, and so in this setting, even though we need this honesty, we don't want it. Correct? For us to have a healthy marriage, you have to have the brutal, painful honesty. Um, oh, I got it. We say compliments and we say, you know, social cues, right? Hello, how are you? Good morning. Or, or if you're in the church, God bless you, right? Or the response, right? How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Correct? These things are, it's like grease on joints, okay? The reason that we are taught how to act in these kind of social cues is to keep there from being friction, right? To keep everything moving smooth. What happens when you come to the person and say, hey, hi, how are you? Well, I just got divorced. I found out I have cancer, and, which, by the way, I've had this happen. And you go, what do you say? Now I can't move past this person. I've got 10 more to get to my seat. What do I do with this? What do I do when things aren't really okay? Oh, I know. Well, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> See how I did that there? These things are lubricant to make everyone kind of do what we have to do. We know for some reason we're supposed to come to church. I'm not really sure why, but we know we're supposed to be there. But it needs to be as painless as possible. It's just keep the things moving. Avoid friction. But when you have a body of Christ that's diverse and a body of Christ that's honest, things don't always move smoothly. Who remembers the Politics of Jesus series from last year? Amen? We had like a red section and a blue section. <laughs> and like in the middle, like we're just angry at everybody section. It was great. And it was amazing to go through this series and to realize that this is one of the few churches in the area that is full of disagreement politically. To be able to be in a room where there's friction and things are not going to move forward, and then, and then to have the blessing of having so many honest people on this church who just love to tell you the truth. Facebook became a battleground for about three months here at Grace Church. Do you know what they said? And they're so I posted this meme to get them back, showed them, Obama. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we're a church that's tried to embrace diversity, tried to, to embrace honesty, and probably uh, the most painful part, we're a church who tries to embrace Jesus in the Scriptures fully. And it's not to say that the other churches don't. It's saying that there are parts of the Scriptures and parts of Jesus that are just hard to understand. They're hard to swallow because they don't seem to fit together. Um, it's one thing to talk about the blessings of being a Christian, how God, you know, when we receive Christ, we receive forgiveness and uh, we're made right with Him and, and He's present with us and uh, His Spirit begins to move in our lives and we begin to have favor and protection and things like this. But then it's painful when you begin to open up the words of Jesus, and he says, but oh yeah, everyone who follows me is to pick up their cross and die as they deny themselves daily. 
it's, it's painful to embrace this idea that the entire book of Acts is a story about how to follow Jesus means to come together with people who are not like you and to fight it out. I hate the book of Acts. It's terrible. Actually, I love it. It's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to get a reaction. I don't, I don't care. I haven't even read that book. I don't even know what you're talking about. Story after story of disagreements. Well, like, what about this? Can we eat this? Can we eat that? Well, what about how we dress? What about circumcision? What about, what about, and what about? Because they said this, and I said this, and this is, and the grind, and the gears begin to grind. And the entire book is about how the early church had to figure out how do you transition from being a people of God that had everything in common to being a people of God who have nothing in common but Christ? How do you make that work? The entire idea of following God for the Jews had been built upon we eat the same things, we dress the same way, we think the same things, and this is why we're able to kind of get along. Got the same political views, <laughs> same sports teams even. What, it, it just it works smoothly. And then Jesus comes and says, oh, no, no, no. Let's bring in all these people who I've told you, who you thought I told you were bad. Bring them all in. See, you thought only Fox News watchers were in the kingdom of God, but now we're going to bring in those CNN people. <laughs> and we're going to sit down at the table, and we're going to talk about it. Woo. Mercy. Take you Trump voters and you Bernie Sanders voters. Sit you together at the same table. See how that goes. Single-payer health care system, anybody? <laughs> I know where you fall on the line. Okay. Again, like, this is the concept. How, what happens when the only commonality we have is Christ? Is that bond strong enough to pull us together? Or is every other... Or is there our differences which are strong enough to overcome that bond of Christ? And so we have churches that are, are doing terrific jobs. But the one thing that they're doing, which, which we are called to do something different, is we're not called to build this church on likeness, being like each other, having commonalities, to sit down and say, hey, so I, I like blah, 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 and you like blah, blah, blah. I do this job, and your job is just like mine. We can. One of the hardest things about passing this church is I don't have, I don't have something in common with everyone here, except for Jesus. Small talk at this church is very difficult. Have you tried it? The moment I say raise the backs and they say, boomer sooner, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so the weather, let's talk about the weather. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. Okay. So what's happening here in the last three years, we've been convinced that this model will not work. We were convinced that we were going to do this in obedience to Jesus and that we'd probably have like 60 or 70 people who just kind of mesh together so tightly under this, but the odds are it just wouldn't be attractive enough. But the one weird, odd thing that's happened in the last three years is, is you weirdos <laughs> seem, to, seem to like the pain. <laughs> oh, this grinding, you know, this pain, this, this friction, I kind of like it. <laughs> that almost went somewhere I didn't want to go. I apologize for that. You 90s R&Bers out there, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, don't even ask. If you didn't know what I was talking about, just don't even ask. Don't worry about it. It's best you don't. We 
have been kind of shocked and overwhelmed. When we launched this church, we knew all the formulas. We knew that if you find your demographic, if you find the people of the most and come with you, if you find people who have the same views as you, are in the same stage of life as you, who have the same issues and problems and goals and dreams as you, and you focus on them, you cater to them, your church will explode with them, and you will go through life together with them. The adage goes that the age of the pastor is what the average age of the church will be, give or take five to ten years. And if you, if you look around, that tends to be what it is. You go to a church as an older pastor, the congregation tends to match the age. It's not that, these, it's, it's not that we have bad intentions. It's just easier to spend time with people who are like us. Agreed? But something's happened. And again, I mean, it, it, it's almost surprised us. We came in three years ago with this understanding saying, if we just do these things, we know that the church would grow. But we know God's calling us to do something else. In the first year, uh, we were here for about six months, and uh, the bank account was getting awfully low. The attendance was getting uh, larger, but the offering was going down. <laughs> it's amazing, right? You come to a nice church, all oh, these people got plenty of money. I don't need nothing. They don't need nothing. They, these people just got a new parking lot. They're good. Okay. Too soon. Too soon? Okay, too soon. <laughs> and so in this, you know, we, we were slowly growing, and we had this pressure. If we do these things, if we, if we shift, if we focus on being someone or a church, if we, if we focus on doing things the way we know we'll grow a church, we can pay the bills. But what if we try to stay true to who God's called us to be? I just don't know if it's going to work. And again, we've been overwhelmed with the way this church has slowly begun to grow and to grow and to grow. And people have been responding to the unique message that God's brought to grace. And they've been coming to watch me with my microphone because it's lots of fun. Man, you're quiet. Jedi whisper. Got very awkward. See, you guys like being uncomfortable. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And so it's overwhelmed us with the way that God's been moving. And, and so what's happened in the last six months? In the last six months, we've noticed that all the study we did years ago of all the reasons that, we, that you have to prepare for growth, we just... I have noticed that we're hitting all these limits. And here I am now, someone who five years ago, all I cared about was being successful. Um, all I wanted to do was to have as many people packed in this building on a Sunday as possible. And here I am now, after getting all messed up with Jesus and just wrecks everything, and here I am sitting down with the staff going, I don't want to do anything that would cause the church to grow. Does that sound really, like, bad to you? <laughs> Five years ago, it was me who was pushing everything along. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get better, let's, let's improve, bigger, better, greater, right? And then in staff meetings and elders meetings now, I'm the one going, no, 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 let's just not do anything to grow. I just want to just eat. I want to sit down and eat together. <laughs> That's all we're going to do. We're going to do fellowship, and we're going to talk about some really 
controversial thing so people, you know, you know, can grow, right? And hopefully we'll just stay at this number and we won't grow at all. Come on, that's messed up, correct? Okay. Because in my mind, I'm convinced there's no way we could possibly grow if we're following Jesus. Come on. This is therapy for me, okay? You guys are my counselors today. There's no way people want to die to live. That's ridiculous. There's no way that people want to you know, carry a cross every day. There's no way people want to be around people who are different from them. Why would you want that? I don't even want that. I'm just a sucker for suffering or something. I don't know. Why, why would that work? And, and uh, in this time, my leaders around me, you know, when you put good people around you, it's your job to listen to them, correct? And I've had leaders at all levels going, you are crazy. What happened to the old Devin who was driven and just wanted to grow, grow, grow? What happened? I said, I found Jesus. <laughs> but what's happened is uh, the leadership has been used by God to continue to to speak to me, to encourage me. And for about six months, I've been, I've been kind of putting the brakes on some steps that we need to make to be able to take care of the growth. And what it comes down to is this. It comes down to stewardship. We have to be a church who's willing to let God grow the church. Amen? And it's hard for me to admit, but healthy things multiply. They grow. Things that are alive, they grow, they multiply, they produce more life. Things that have life produce more life. And to my shock and awe, we continue to have more and more people at this church. Can you believe it? So what's going to happen is this. October 22nd, we're going to two services. Now, easy. Let me explain this. When I was praying about this, I was saying, Lord, if I'm going to get behind this, I have to know it's you. I need you to to explain a reason for this beyond the studies, beyond the reasons. If you guys know us on Easter services, we've been doing uh, two services on Easter uh, for two years now. We've been preparing for two years for this day. We've been making sure that we understand the logistics and all the details of how to run departments, how to take care of the nursery, how to do the worship, how to, how to do all the details that go into it. So we've been doing some dry practice runs for two years now, preparing for this day. And, but even with all that being said, I said, Lord, I need to know it's you. And when I was praying about it, the one thing that, that, that kind of hit home with me is this. I've said multiple times that the vision I had for this church was that we would not be a church that would make a monster sanctuary and pack thousands. And I think there's, that's a powerful thing for lots of churches to do and has a place in the kingdom. But with the vision God's given us at Grace, it has to be about faces and names, not about numbers. Do you get me? Faces and names. And the one thing that I've, I've hated in the last probably three months, we've been sitting down in staff meetings. We, we, what we do at the meetings is we kind of sit down and we share stories. Uh, you know, that the, to us, it's the only way to measure how healthy the church is. It's not, it's not butts and seats or, or the offerings. It's, it's what is God doing in these people every time that we gather. And the one thing I haven't liked for about, for about the last three, six months is how many times 
leaders all of the church go, so it was that family who looks like this, and, and, and like they have this child, but like we don't know their name. What, in, what is happening? And, and then, of course, I start telling stories. I go, well, like they had brown hair. <laughs> yeah, that was me too. And, you know, we realized at the place where we are that we can continue going for probably another six months. We can add chairs. Uh, I'm not sure, like, what to do about parking. I think we had, like, eight parking spots available last Sunday. Um, you know, we can find ways to, to, to expand nursery and do all that. But the one thing we can't do is we can't keep services intimate as we grow. And so with this move, the, the heart that we have as a, as a church is that we want to allow God to add to this family. We want to allow the church to grow and expand while keeping our services intimate, close. Um, and again, who knows what that's going to look like. But the goal is this. The goal is that even as God adds to us and as we deal with the good challenges that come with growth is that we don't lose who we are, which is a church that's all about diversity. It's all about honesty. And it's all about embracing who Christ is. And there's something that happens when you begin to grow. There's a huge temptation with just, it, it's easy to focus on numbers, on trying to get through services, just trying to be attractive and keep the, the show rolling. But that's not who we are as a church. And so the biggest thing for me, again, is I want us to be able to stay connected. I want it to be a church that's about names and faces, and that's the passion we have as we go forward. So I encourage you to not just be, you know, excited about it, but to be praying with us about it. It's something to where in the nursery, in the kids' church, and the, the youth, the heart is all the way through. We, we want to make sure that we're a church that stays close, that we know each other, that we go to church with people, that we have, like, a real community here. I don't want this to become a drive-in. We come in, we have our service, and we go home. That's not what this church is called to be. And so as we prepare for this, I encourage you to be, be kind of praying with us about it because, again, it's something that five years ago, I would have pulled the trigger on this already because it does help grow a church. But the leadership and, and even God, I, I felt like I really need to be convinced we were doing this to stay true to our values, not to grow the church. And so the, the original plan for us was to launch two services in August. The idea was that we were going to have the parking lot done in June to launch two services in August, and it was going to be a smooth transition. Well, as you guys know, the parking lot didn't get done in June. Did you guys notice that? Not at all. And, and, so, and so I thought it was a good excuse to ignore it. So I started trying to kind of push the conversation away. And what happened was it just continued to, to rise its head up. And, and what's happening right now is this. We could go for probably another three months, okay? The problem is this. We have a lot of amazing people, but we don't all come on one Sunday. But here's what happens. When it gets cold outside and there's nothing else to do, we all show up. <laughs> and that's when things get crazy. Well, my kid was in there with 40 other kids, and this kid was pulling her hair. I'm sorry. We just we don't know what to do. Well, I couldn't find a parking spot. I had to go park on the grass. Well, I mean, I, it, I'm sorry. We just, things get crazy. That person's sitting in my seat. <laughs> Tina, where'd you go? <laughs> and so that's what's going to happen for us, guys. And, and again, I, it was hard for me to embrace this. And I was praying about it last night. And I really feel like God kind of put this one word uh, on my heart, and it was crossroads. Um, now, 
I'm not sure if you guys know that uh, this, this place is called Crossroads. Uh, I'll get the years wrong. Probably, I want to say like uh, eight, eight years ago. And I was praying about that. It was so weird that I got the word because it's not, you know, I don't just walk around going crossroads, crossroads. And it's, but I was praying about and I got this image. And it was this image of where all these different roads, the people who are going all these different places, different backgrounds, different educations, different jobs, occupations, colors, uh, political views, all these roads that would never, ever meet were kind of converging here. It's almost like on the map. I could see all these roads kind of converging at this place. And I heard the word crossroads. And, and uh, Grace Church is being led by God to be a place where people who would never cross paths cross paths. Amen? I just want to pray real quick. You don't understand. I just want to pray this. Father, we just give it to you. Father, we just declare that um, the plans we have are in chalk. We submit these things to you. But, Father, we do believe, we are convinced that it is you who is changing the course of this church. You are leading us somewhere new. You are steering us in direction for the kingdom of heaven. And, and Father, we just pray that Grace Church would be a crossroads. Lord, that people from all different backgrounds and colors and ideas and, and uh, educations, income levels, that people who would never, ever cross paths or meet or have relationship or fellowship would meet in this place with one commonality. There's one reason to meet here, and that's Christ. We ask this to be a family that's united not by likeness, but by Christ-likeness. And I thank you, Lord, that this family of God will be different. And it will be a sign to this region, to this city, of what the kingdom of God looks like and can do. I thank you for a family that looks so different, so diverse, that it could only be a supernatural work of God. And so we say yes and amen to the things and the plans you have for this church. And everyone said amen. Amen. (sighs) I'm tired already. Hope you guys can sense, even as I share it, like, I, I just, I can't get rah-rah about it. Does that make sense? Even though I am excited about it, there's a part of me that's still like, Lord, I just don't want to be it about numbers. And I'm not saying that about the church, I'm saying that about myself. I know who I was. Does that make sense? I know a weakness in me. And I don't want to ever fall into that. I want this to be a church about Christ, not about anything else. Can you say amen to that? So the weirdest thing is, five years ago, this would be me running and like rah-rahing, like we'd be all like, yeah! And right now I'm going, push me, push me. <laughs> but we're blessed here. I'm blessed. I'm lucky to have the, the people that we have. And honestly, we're just amazed that you guys let us have the culture we have here. And you guys want more of it, right? So I'm supposed to put a sermon in here somewhere. So here we go. I'll try. We are reading in Luke. I want to go back to that. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14, verse 10 in the Message Bible. I want to highlight this. This is going to be fun for you guys. When you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give the guests something to talk about. What I'm saying is, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more 
than yourself. Then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and your rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who, who never get invited out. Oh, my goodness. Let's stay right there. Invite some people who never get invited out. Invite people who aren't on the inside of your life. Did you hear that? He's not just talking about people who get invited. Invite people who would never get invited to your house. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. I'm going to pause there too. I'm convinced that Grace Church, the vision for this church was born whenever I was a youth pastor. In the church, we had zero youth in the church. Um, And so I, I started a youth group on the other side of the tracks, over there by the high school. And we had maybe one or two families. Uh, eventually, we had kids in the youth group. We had all kids from the other side of the tracks, all kids who had drug backgrounds, broken homes, violence, poverty. Um, you know, we had kids coming to the exchange, and they're like 10 years old, and their mothers had already put them on birth control. Yeah. And the biggest struggle we had was getting the, the parents from the church to allow their kids to come to a youth group with kids from the other side of the tracks. And I realized that it was a sign of a much bigger problem. The youth group began to grow so much that these broken families started to come to the church. <laughs> it was quite the, the scene, I'll just say that. You know, that they'd be out in the parking lot with their subs, like, blaring. <laughs> they'd get into a fight with, like, some other family in the parking lot. But... Broke our hearts because it only lasted for um, about a month. Because the way that our church family, some amazing people, the way that they treated these families drove them away. They knew that they were not welcome. They knew they were not good enough. They didn't act right. They didn't understand how to behave. And that was the moment when Pastor Larry convinced me to begin to uh, invest my time to move from the youth group to the adults, become an associate. Because we were passionate that we would not waste our time pastoring a church. That was like that. I don't believe you are like that. I don't believe that that is the kind of church that we are. We are a church that's willing to embrace people from either side of the track. Amen? In the world, we gather around one thing in the world. We gather around likeness. People who are like us, okay? It's called commonality. We share things that are similar, and so it makes it easier for us to bond. You know, it's not a difficult thing to create a crowd. When you go to a concert, when you go to a... Gosh, I'm so out of the scene. Um, Who just went to a concert? Name somebody. We are a lame church. Has anyone been to a concert? Who? <laughs> Don't use that one. That one completely shoots down my analogy. Um, <laughs> we all just like music. Okay. You rock, but that killed my analogy. Okay. Um, when you go to a Dave Matthews show, any takers? Five people. Okay. You aren't all gathering because you all like 
different kinds of music. You're gathering because you all like Dave Matthews, right? When you go to a Razorback game, you're not gathering because you all like football. You're gathering because you all like pain. (laughs) Right? And that's why you all come here, right? Continue the suffering. I, I, I understand. Although I doubt there'll be that many next week. It's at the game. We'll see. It's not hard to gather people <clears throat> when you share likenesses. In this, in this passage in Luke, what's so powerful is the excuses that are given. When the king sends out his invites, uh, they said, I'm sorry, I just got married. Sorry, I um, have some new cattle. Sorry, I have this farm. You know, whatever, there's all these reasons. Have you noticed something about those problems? Those are rich people problems. Have you noticed that? The poor person in the alley doesn't have to worry about taking care of their business. They don't have to worry about taking care of their, their assets. I'm sorry, I, I just got a new car. I have to go, you know, I'm taking in to get it serviced. I'm sorry, you know, like the lonely, the outsider, you, they don't have to worry about managing their marriage. They're alone. If you notice, every excuse in this passage is from people who find their identity somewhere else. They have something of value that draws them away from the kingdom of heaven. Well, see, I can't be a part of that because I have this right here. And if you understand, this parable of Jesus summarizes all of these other parables he talks about the kingdom. And what it comes down to is, the ones who have the hardest time entering into the kingdom, and this goes back two years ago to our parables series, the ones who have the hardest time with the kingdom of God are the ones who have something to lose. Because in the kingdom, those who are high are low, and those who are low are high, right? The ones who have nothing to lose will jump at the kingdom call. Well, i got nothing better to do. I'll come to your party. I don't have any friends. I'll come eat with you. I have nothing else happening in my life. Sure, I'll come. The challenge is for all of us who have things apart from the kingdom of heaven. For all of us who have our safety and we have identity, we get edified, we get encouraged, we get built up everywhere else but in God's family. And it's not to say that these things are bad, because again, the invitation went to these people. It wasn't saying, well, because you have a good family, you can't come to heaven. Okay, that wasn't funny, okay. It's not saying, well, because you've worked hard at a business, I'm sorry, you can't come to the kingdom of heaven. It's not saying, you know, know, because you have assets or because you have things going on that you can't come. It's not what it's saying. It's saying because you chose wrongly, now the invite is being rescinded. To President Trump. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. I, I just couldn't help it. I, I, it's right there. If you don't want to come, don't come. Found me. I love you guys. Please. <laughs> it, it's my birthday. Let that one slide. Just let it go. <laughs> when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, he says, the one who finds the kingdom is the one who's, who searches and searches in this field and finds this pearl. And the reason this person is able to come to the kingdom is because they're able to realize 
There's nothing else in life like this. They're able to realize that this is what has the most value among all other things. This is what's worth losing everything else for. And so in this banquet, the ones who show up at this banquet are people you would never want to be around. Let's just be honest. When I was youth pastoring at the exchange, I loved those people. I just didn't want to hang out with them. I loved to minister to them at the exchange. I didn't want to bring them home. I didn't wind down with them. I didn't go see a game with them. I didn't go, go out to eat with them because you know what? They're ministry. That's what they were to me. They're ministry. But I found that the more that I began to allow my heart to be filled with God's love, I couldn't make these divides anymore. And all of a sudden, these people started ending up in my home. These people, you know, these kids started to, you know, to, to, you know we started to do the, the overnight stuff. We started to get all tangled up in their lives. And there was no way for me to fully love them without being in their life and they being in my life. And I found myself outside on Main Street in Alma with these two families screaming and cursing, trying to fight, and like these women pulling hair. And it was crazy. <laughs> I'd never seen that move before. And, and here I am going, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be at a college right now. I'm supposed to be on a college campus with books and professors. And I'm here with this. What is happening? Golly. There's no way for us to embrace, to fully embrace God without fully embracing his family. And without doubt, what that means is to, to make room in our lives to where the people who we prioritize are the ones where we have the likeness with, the commonality. We share one thing, which is the most important thing, and that one thing is Christ. And these people become the first group, the first family, the first friends that I have. And it's not that I can't have other ones, and I know this is a painful understanding. Let me elaborate this from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the word tribe was used a lot. Have you guys heard that being said today? Well, you know, these people are my tribe. Have you heard that being used today? It's, it'll probably show your age if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> On social media, it's the new hip thing, okay? Like you take a picture of your buddies, it's my tribe. Come on. There we go. One person, extremely relevant pastor. And it's drawing from, from, from the idea of ancient times, where the people who you, who you were a part of are people you had everything in common. You ate the same. You thought the same. You dressed the same. You had commonality. These were your people. To say it's your tribe is to say, these are my people. And the very thing that the Jews had the hardest time with Jesus about was he told them that you thought that these were your people because you had everything in common. But from here on out, to be a part of my people, you're going to, to receive and embrace people who you only have one thing in common with, me. In order for you to leave that to be a part of my family, you must realize that this trumps everything. Your people, your tribe, your new tribe will not look alike, will not talk alike, will not think alike, will not dress alike, will not have the same color, will not have the same issues, the same problem, the same life status, you are going to be a part of people who you might have nothing else in common with but one thing, me. And that one thing is going to break everything else. And to prove it to you, the way you're going to be initiated in this family is we're going to baptize your butt, and it's going to be a symbol of dying. 
Because everything that you thought you were and had is going to die, and you're now a new baby with a new family who is going to be adopted into something, and that's how you're going to know yourself from here on out. This is my people. And you look around and you go, I don't know what else we have in common, but this is my people. That old sermon, by the way, it's all, it's all lost now. I want to explain to you in Revelation 7, 9. I want, to, I want to read this. It says this, And after this I looked up, and there was a great crowd that no one could number. They were from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Pause. Why is this a big deal? He's looking up to see the people of the Lamb, the people of God, the family of God, and he looks up and he sees what? People from every tribe and nation and tongue. And when, you, when he says this, he's assuming that you know that nations don't look alike. He's assuming that you know that they don't speak the same language. He's assuming that you know their cultures are different, their beliefs are different, their ideas are different, things they eat, the things they prefer, the things they don't like, they're different. Their skin doesn't match. Their hair doesn't match. Their histories and backgrounds don't match. These people are different. But guess what? The story of God is creating a family, one new family that swallows all other families. And this is what it looks like. It looks different. One of the biggest problems with the gospel that most of us has heard is that we can have Jesus without having his family. And that, that is a lie. You cannot have the head without having the body. And the Apostle Paul specifically goes into what? And you're not all going to be the same piece. And, of course, all of us charismatics go, that's just spiritual gifts. <laughs> if you guys are, are not charismatics, that was, it's okay. Um, we get a little crazy in those circles. <laughs> the point the Apostle Paul is making is you will all be different. And until you embrace this, you will not fit in the body. Here's the thing. A lot of us feel, I'll just say this way. If you want to grow in the kingdom of God, here's what you need to learn. You need to learn that growth in Christ feels uncomfortable. That's what it feels like. Look back at your natural life. Think at all the pivotal moments when you grew up, when you discovered yourself, when you, when you realized the world was bigger, when there were, there were things you cared about. And, I mean, if you look back at your life, the places when you grew the most was when things were the most difficult. Those are the moments that, that made you or broke you. Those are the moments when you really began to grow up in being a, a person and being an adult. In the kingdom of heaven, in spiritual matters, it is the exact same thing. Growth feels like discomfort. I was taught in circles, and again, had the great, great, they had great intentions, but that when God was blessing you, when you're growing, everything just fit and worked perfectly. And I realized that in those situations, I was never growing at all. What's so funny about this right now, I can in the last couple of years, I've, I've begun to really see these things in the Scriptures. It's all kind of starting to make sense. But when I look back at my life, I realize that, that the Holy Spirit was leading me. God was leading me into this the entire time. I was backing my way into this. When I think about all the people in my life who have affected me the most, they are the weirdest, most uncomfortable people ever. 
Pastor Zach, go ahead and stand up, man. <laughs> I love that guy. He's so weird. <laughs> yeah, sit down, please. And, you know, he's just one. You know, pretty much everyone on my staff is someone who I never would have hired five, I'd say seven years ago. Never. Yes, even you guys. <laughs> Ever. It's a bad idea working with family. It just doesn't know. Because I, I disagree with every one of them at something. I have a different opinion about things. I, Zach's a hugger. I'm not a hugger. <laughs> no, I am not. But I will give you a hug, Leo. I'm telling you. I mean, when, when I go back and I look at all these people who, who God has brought in my life, oh, she's not here, including my wife. Oh, darn. Hi. <laughs> These are not the people that I had put on my... Okay, here's what, here's what my life's going to look like. It's not who I put on the paper. And every one of these people who, who are the ones I would not have chosen to be in my family or for me to be in their family. Amen? <laughs> my in-laws. I wouldn't have chosen Arnie Sleeper, but I won't trade him anymore. Yeah, I did. It's my fault. You're right. It's all my fault. I did ask. Yes, it's just your fault. <laughs> These people I wouldn't have chosen. But if I did it over again, I would. Does that make sense? And I realize now, I'm just now putting things together in the Scriptures into a, into a truth and a reality that God's been leading me into my entire life. We have to understand that we will fully encounter God when we let Him put us in the circles and put people in our lives who He knows are best for us. Yeah, you too. You're weird too. He's our youth pastor, weirdo. But that's the way I like it now. We need to embrace discomfort, and we've got to embrace the weirdos. And what happens is this. When you start embracing people you think are weird, you start realizing something. You're the weirdo. You realize maybe it's not common for people to be so adverse to hugging. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Okay, we're going to leave it there. Let's stand. So this morning, as we, as we conclude with the Eucharist, with uh, communion, the Lord's table, as we kind of look out at October 22nd, and, and you know, the, the prospect of God continuing to expand to this body and bring in more and more difference and, and just everything that comes, because change is not always easy. I want to share this with you. There are three ways that we're going to grow. Three ways. When God begins to bring people into our lives who are different than us, here's the first way we grow. We learn to receive. We learn to allow what they have to offer, their stories, their personalities, their quirks, their disagreements. We learn to receive it and to just learn from it. Find God in who they are. The second way we learn is this, conflict. You've been told conflict's a bad thing. The Apostle Paul said it's good. He said there's no other way to know who God favors than for you to bang heads. There's going to be friction. In the Old Testament, the idea is iron sharpens iron. It's not just being around other people. It's being around other people who are different, and it causes friction. That's a good feeling. 
And the last one is this. You will grow when you allow God to put difference in your life because you will learn what it means to reconcile. Meaning, when you do clash, making it right. Coming together under one commonality. And this is Matthew 18. You guys have all heard the passage that when two or three gather, Christ is there. You've heard that, right? Have you ever read the sentences before it? When you disagree, what do you do? You go to the person, you tell them, right? They say no, you bring two. They, they say no, you bring the church into it, right? And then, Luke says, and when two or three gather, the Lord is there. We encounter God when we get around people who make us, ah, and we submit to Christ in it. Because there's one bond that bonds us over all differences, and that is Jesus. Father, we come to you, and as we receive uh, communion, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts. Prepare us to allow you to put us in families and to bring people into our families, into our lives that we would not choose. But prepare us to be willing to fully embrace them and to find you in these relationships in ways we never had before.